Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Few things can sink a movie scene quicker than a botched performance from an actor. I mean, after all, there's a good chance that the one thing you remember from The Dark Knight Rises is Marion Cotillard's pitiful display as her character took her final breaths. And all of the following cases follow the same logic. Great scenes that are almost completely derailed by a usually amazing actor who just isn't quite on the ball. I'm Josh from WhatCulture.com and these are eight terrible performances that almost ruined recent movie scenes. Number 8. Annabelle Wallace, Malignant A couple weeks after seeing it, I'm still not entirely sure which parts of Malignant were supposed to be hammy and kinda bad on purpose, and which parts were the result of regular old bad filmmaking. You see, that's partly because James Wan's latest is a big daft B-movie full of crazy bloody set pieces and a whole bunch of references to similarly outlandish Giallo movies from decades past. Lead Annabelle Wallace for the most part as well does an admirable job attempting to thread the needle of this precarious tone, and manages to nail more most of the emotional beats. Where she falls down though is the climactic sequences where, vague spoilers incoming so you've been warned, she vanquishes the evil that's been causing so much trouble for the rest of the film. This confrontation is supposed to be epic, but Wallace kind of just seems a little bit annoyed rather than seething, and it undermines some of the horror the ending otherwise could have had. With the entire cast going from over the top to flat in a second though, it is unclear who's at fault for these strange acting choices across the board. Was it the director, the actors, the script? are all three. Number 7. Henry Thomas, Dr. Sleep It's always difficult when an actor steps into the shoes of a character so inextricably linked with another performer. While it stacks the deck against them, it doesn't mean that winning audiences over is impossible. But sadly, Henry Thomas couldn't quite overcome the odds when he was cast to replace the iconic Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance in the Shining sequel Dr. Sleep. Featuring reshot scenes from the first movie and all new ones starring the characters, the entire Torrance family was recast. But it's Thomas who gets the most to do and sadly is the most unconvincing. is clearly game enough, but with a sequence where Jack, or as he is now, just the Overlook's ghostly bartender, speaks to his son Danny, is derailed by a performance that isn't quite an impression, but isn't quite something new either. Though it would have been dangerous going for a full-on Nicholson impersonation as much as it would have been to completely reinvent the character, this middle ground where half of Jack's mannerisms are there but half aren't ultimately proves to be the most distracting, and it results in you analysing the actor's decisions rather than feeling immersed in the scene and believing in the character. Number 6. Peter Dinklage, Avengers Infinity War For a time, Peter Dinklage was one of the hottest actors on the planet. His career-defining role as Tyrion in Game of Thrones made him a household name and also racked him up plenty of Emmys across the show's eight seasons. Sadly though, like so many actors to flex on the small screen, his big screen roles haven't been quite as well received. 
While few are outright bad, his appearance in Avengers Infinity War was a huge disappointment. Playing a truly powerful being who forged both the Infinity Gauntlet and Thor's new weapon Stormbreaker, he's only in the movie for a few scenes and sadly doesn't make the best impression. Now granted it's not like it's the best material in the MCU that he has to work with, as Thor's trip for his new weapon was viewed as a bit of a lull in the otherwise pristine narrative, but he still comes across as a little bit miscast. The deep, bellowing voice feels forced and kind of out of place, and even the comedic beats come across as wooden and flat. Dinklage is so much better than he is here, and stands out more thanks to the rest of the movie being so good, and the other actors fully embodying their roles. Number 5. Ashley Zuckerman, Fear Street 1666 it feels a little harsh to crap on the actors in the Fear Street trilogy. Because the movies often feature the same actors playing different versions of the same character, it can mean they absolutely nail one performance but then fall short on another. Sadly, Ashley Zuckerman, who initially plays Town Sheriff Nick Good and then Ancestor Solomon Good in the 1666 Witch Trial section, isn't totally convincing as each character. He is much better as Solomon though, this character being the one seemingly kind-hearted man in a village full of superstitious fanatics who actually turns out to be the big bad and the architect of all the pain in the town that everyone's been going through. His heel turn here is fine enough and he brings a lot of presence to this role, but after this Zuckerman can't quite pivot into evil as well when we jump back to the present day and pick up with Nick. Considering he's supposed to be the ultimate villain of the franchise, it makes the climax feel a little inert, and it's a shame after showing so much promise as the deadly Solomon. Number 4, Riz Ahmed Venom. In a way that's rather quite apt, Venom is definitely a movie of two halves. On the one hand, you have the goofy as all hell horror comedy that star Tom Hardy is in, where his character Eddie Brock and brain-eating symbiote anti-hero Venom get themselves into capital S shenanigans. On the other hand though, you have a drab, lifeless, by-the-numbers superhero tale about evil corporations and science experiments gone wrong. Unfortunately, the usually stunning Riz Ahmed is absolutely in the latter movie and gives the kind of wooden, unconvincing performance that is totally at odds with the energy that Hardy brings to scenes. Now, as mentioned, Ahmed is one of the finest actors working today, so the blame can't be entirely placed on him, but every scene where he's the focal point threatens to derail the whole thing. Particularly bad is Dr. Dora's death scene, where Ahmed is lacking all the menace and intimidating presence that the scene requires. He's fine enough as the smarmy businessman type, but he doesn't quite give this villain enough bite. Number 3, John Magaro, The Many Saints of Newark. The Many Saints of Newark is far from the perfect Sopranos film, but it still has a whole lot to love. Not least the stacked cast playing familiar favourites and brand new additions to the New Jersey crime family. Most of the actors embodying the old cast do a great job as well, especially Vera Farmiga as the spiteful Livia Soprano and Corey Stoll as Uncle Junior. However, there is one dud in the cast, and that's John Magaro as Silvio Dante. Unfortunately, Magaro spends most of the movie doing an incredibly over-the-top impression of original actor Stephen Van Zandt. Now, admittedly, this wasn't an easy act to follow as Van Zandt's own performance borders on parody at times, but still. Magaro ends up almost feeling like an SNL sketch version of Silvio, and it hurts the movie in one of its most pivotal scenes. At the very end of the flick, Silvio is having a heart-to-heart -heart with Dickie Moltisanti in what's supposed to be a pretty emotional sequence. However, the actor's impression here is so distracting that the emotional beat doesn't hit with the weight it should. Number 2, Gal Gadot and Pedro Pascal, Wonder Woman 84. Gal Gadot 
Doe isn't a terrible actress, but I think it's fair to say that sometimes she doesn't quite nail a take and the filmmakers just decide to use it anyway. See the awful delivery of Kal-El Noel in Justice League for good proof of that. One scene towards the end of Wonder Woman 84 similarly almost hits with a thud thanks to a stilted delivery by Godot, and also the hammy overacting of co-star Pedro Pascal. It comes in the climax, as Godot's superhero battles Pascal's Max Lord and urges them to renounce magical wishes that they'd made earlier in the film. It's set up as the big hero moment, the moment where Wonder Woman comes out on top, and the swelling score and cross-cutting around the world certainly does wonders, oy oy, to sell the gravity of the moment. But Godot's mostly flat delivery doesn't imbue the words with the power that they should have. Contrast this with old Pedro, who is going full ham, shouting things like, you can't stop me, no one can, in the most over-enunciated way, and it throws the tone off completely. Number one, Bruce Willis, Glass. The thing about M. Night Shyamalan's Glass is that movie fans had waited literal decades to see it. Since Unbreakable introduced the world to Bruce Willis's David Dunn, a new modern superhero, fans had been pining to see him back in action. So when Split came out in 2016, and ended with the reveal that it was set in the world of Unbreakable the whole time, and was setting up a third movie that would bring Dunn back as a main character, fans were ecstatic. The issue was, actor Bruce Willis clearly, well, clearly he was not. Willis is is pretty poor for all of this movie, rarely bringing any of the gravitas or presence necessary to a character who is a literally a superhero. Now, admittedly, David Dunn was never the loudest or brashest character, but that only makes this performance worse, because in theory, it's a hard one to mess up. Instead, it always feels like you're watching Bruce Willis get a paycheck rather than the character he's supposed to be playing. He's worst in scenes where he's actually forced to interact with James McAvoy and Samuel L. Jackson, who are clearly having a lot of fun with the material, but Brucey just feels like he's being held there at gunpoint. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 